Welcome to another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein. Painter and printmaker Marlena Vaccaro has been part of the New York City art world for more than 30 years as both an artist and a gallerist. She ran a printmaking studio in Manhattan's Tribeca neighborhood and a design company in Soho in the 80s and 90s. Marlena also happens to be the creator, director, and curator of Manhattan's Carter Burden Gallery, which has allowed her to marry her two passions— art and advocacy. Carter Burden is one of the only galleries in the world and the only one in New York City with a minimum age requirement. Born for Marlena's mission to celebrate and affirm the relevance, the talent, and the importance of older professional artists, the gallery only accepts submissions from artists 60 and over who live in the New York City metropolitan area. It was born in 2009 with support from the Carter Burden Network, one of New York City's most respected nonprofits promoting the well-being of older New Yorkers through a consortium of senior centers, social services, advocacy, and volunteer programs. Marlena has been part of the Carter Burden Network since 1997. The gallery and the network are named for the great-great-grandson of railroad baron Cornelius Vanderbilt, an art collector. Carter Burden died of a heart ailment in 1996. He was just 54. Since the gallery's opening, more than 120 older artists have shown their work in a variety of mediums, including sculpture, relief, collages, photography, ceramics, drawing, printmaking, and mixed media. The average age for an artist whose work has been shown at the Carter Burden Gallery is 73, and the oldest, 93. Time to meet and talk with this passionate, committed, accomplished woman, Marlena. Welcome, and thanks so much for joining me today. Did you always have an affinity for art? Was art a natural act for you growing up? Yeah, art was the only thing. Art Ah. art was everything always. Why? I'm visual. Everything that I process, I process visually. I'm not particularly a wordsmith. Mm -hmm. I'm not a deeply reflective or introspective person. I'm a very physical, very visual person. I like to make things. Mm -hmm. I like to touch things and move things and glue them and cut them. So it was just the natural outlet for those kinds of things. And you did this on your own as a child. As a kid, I did it on my own with tons of encouragement from my mom who loved all the same things. I was just going to ask, did they support you? Entirely. Did they take you to museums? You know, we lived in Fort Lee. New Um, Jersey? We lived in New Jersey. Oh, I'm Um, in Jersey. There you go. Jersey girls always connect. Yeah, there you go. The minute I could go myself to museums and take myself over that bridge or through that tunnel, I did it. But my parents were always, they didn't like New York, so they didn't take me to a lot of museums, but they encouraged every single thing I ever did. And my mother was that. She was an artist, so she got it entirely. And so you continued to do this, and then you went where to school? Pratt. Ah, Pratt Art Institute. So that was a perfect match. Yes, perfect. And aside from your intense interest in this and need to do it, Did you know you were talented? I did. Isn't that terrific? I did know. And it didn't come from a sense of arrogance or... It was a fact. It was a thing, yeah. it's I could see it. I always got a lot of reinforcement. But it wasn't about that. It was whether I was talented or not, I was going to do it. Mm -hmm. So I always thought, good one, that worked out. Because it was good, you know, and and that made it easier. Did you also assume that you were going to earn a living as an artist? You know, I think early on I absolutely thought that, and I had a really strong beginning. But I have so many interests, or and I have so many interests, so I made some choices that steered away from the actual career as a painter in the 80s when it would have happened, Mm because those were the greatest times for me in the art world. 
and did some other things. I never stopped painting. I never stopped being part of the art world. But I stopped pursuing, as a business, the career of a painter in terms of showing. Then it was a natural act for you to own a printmaking studio? Yeah, it was a gallery and a printmaking Uh, studio. I had a gallery there um, right in the heart of Tribeca when things couldn't be more exciting. That was kind of the center of the universe. It was for the ours. center of the universe. It was, I found myself just by great good luck in the center of the universe and opened a gallery and a studio. And it really was a studio, but it was a storefront. And people kept coming in saying, Is this a gallery? Huh. So finally I said, Yes. You know, it really was my studio where I was painting and working. And you were exhibiting your own work. I really wasn't. At that point, it was just up because I was working. And people would constantly come in because it was a street level, you know, walk up these big windows. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, I just got tired of saying no. So I'm like, yes. Yes, it's a gallery. (laughs) And that is how I had my first gallery. And that's where and and when you sold your art. Yes. And and I sold other people as well. But yeah, I mean, at a certain point, you have to follow the universe and say, all right. People want this to be a gallery. So then artists came to you or you looked for them? A combination of both. In New York, especially at that point, if there was an open door that had a big glass window, you know, anywhere in Soho or Tribeca, artists walked in. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's not that's the case today. Nothing's different. There are so many more artists than anywhere to show, regardless of age. So, and you, you know, find yourselves. You, you connect. People typically look to see the kind of work a gallery shows. And mm-hmm. if that's somehow in line with what they're doing... That's who you approach. How would you describe your art? My work is complete, or most of the time, non-representational, non-figurative. Mm-hmm. It's abstract. It's assemblage. I paint and glue and paper mache and stick toys on things and wrap things in string and ribbon. Mm-hmm. That's my painting. And then printmaking's a little bit more straightforward. I do etching and lithography. And that was also a natural act for you? Well, printmaking is something that's very process-oriented. So right. that you really do. I did study printmaking for five years. So how did you move from being a gallery owner and an artist into what happens to you now today? Well, it was a natural progression. You know, I, in a really lucky kind of way, met the folks at the Burden Network. At that point in my life, I literally was looking for some sort of volunteer opportunity. And I came across Bill Dion, who's our executive director, and we really hit it off. And he said, well, we have this little senior program that we're trying to revitalize. And I'm like, what's a little senior program? I honestly did not know. This is 20 years ago. I mean, I can't believe it because it's a flash, Mm. but it was 20 years ago. And I thought... And you were not a senior. I was not a senior. (laughs) I didn't even know any seniors. That's what I always said to him. I lived in Tribeca. We didn't have seniors in Tribeca. That's right. Older people need not apply. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I mean, no. Oh, no. You Mm -hmm. know, I was 39 years old. But I loved what was going on. I liked him. I liked the thought of putting together. I'm, I like businesses. I like putting together businesses. I like setting up programs. I'm a problem solver. And he was like, this program's not doing very well. We really want to revitalize it. There are a lot of older adults here that really need this program. And I was like, let me see. Let me dig in and understand what it is. And in, in the course of a year, we had turned that program around to be one of the highest utilized programs in the city. So these are kind of natural acts for you. Not only were you an artist, but you also in a way, inadvertently, knew how to capitalize on that. Like you were saying, you know, people started walking in your gallery. Okay, well, fine, I'll sell this. And then it just, yeah. I mean... I that, go with the flow. I'm that gal that goes with the flow. If an opportunity presents itself, and in a sense, I think subconsciously we create these opportunities, but if it presents itself and I think it's going to be fun yeah, and it's going to have value, 
I will always try it. I'm very confident about figuring things out and making things work. But I think that's very much like making art. Well, so where did that strong sense of self come from? I think probably from my family, probably from getting a good response from my work. Mm. You know, and again, I had never done anything non-art related other than, I mean, I ran a business, so I knew I knew how to do that. And I don't think there, artists can only do be artists or be business people. You know, we're very, we're all complex people. Right, We all right. have different but skill But we tend sets. to pigeonhole we people. Do. If you're an artist, God knows, how can you possibly yes. manage your finances? Right. How do you get out of bed in the morning? Yeah. I mean, but I really think that's such a, I mean, I know it's a fallacy. And it's the same thing with older adults. That's why I think I related so well to the stereotyping of older adults, because I never understood the stereotyping of artists. And we tend to be very dismissive of older people. And artists. And artists. Honestly, unless you're that artist earning big bucks and you're kind of famous in a museum. And you're an artist rock star. Yes. Yes. You know, otherwise it's like, oh, get a real job. <laughs> you know, right. make a living. Well, artists make livings if they don't do it by their work. They're very industrious people. They wait tables and they work in offices. They do whatever it takes well, it's like to actors. keep painting. Exactly the same. It's mm -hmm. creative people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my mission, in a sense, is to find that creativity in everyone, particularly people who think they never had it. And so many people, when they find out you're, artist, you're an artist, they're like, oh, I don't have a creative bone in my body. Oh, I've never done anything. And I'm like, you do. You do. And you well, just I have think to let it go. There's a, also, to speak personally, I think there's a level of intimidation. Absolutely. And just, I've interviewed several women artists and not for nothing, you know, in awe, what you produce, what you create, how do you do this? Parenthetically, it was honestly torture for me to go to art class I when I was in I school. Know. And I can't draw if my life depended on it. I can appreciate what you do. And I love art yeah. and going to museums, but it was it was a nightmare for me. Honestly, that sounds melodramatic, but it's no, really it doesn't, true. It doesn't, Sandy, because I've heard that story so many times about people being so turned off when they were little because it was a terrifying experience. But, you know, it's a, it's a crazy art education system, and that's a whole other topic. But, you know, in every arts, in every school, when you go to your third grade art class, the teacher, the nun, whoever you're in school with, <laughs> picks out the kid who can draw the most realistically. That kid always becomes the class artist. Right, They right. get all the attention. That was me. And so you're set. Mm -hmm. I'm seven years old and I'm the class artist. That's right. And you're on and that And I'm on my road. journey. Mm -hmm. And you just keep getting more and more positive reinforcement for it. Then there's all of these other students who just feel left out and not confirmed in what they're doing. And they have a, the art is not about drawing. Art has nothing to do with manual dexterity or any of that stuff. It comes from an entirely different place that is not encouraged in most, at least I agree. up until now. I agree. And on, on a very simplistic level, that's also like, Physical education. Yeah. You can't throw a ball. Who the hell needs you? That's right. You're, you not, you're not on the you're team. Not, you're not Get a jock. Lost. Oh, God. You yes. know. And it, I think it's just about finding that place in each person for the thing they want to do. You know, maybe it does. I don't think that we only do the things that come naturally. I think we do the things we want to do. Even if it's challenging. Exactly. All the more fun. So you make this match or you're matched with the Carter Burden Network. Yeah. How did the burden start? Why yeah. did they start? This? 1971, Carter Burden began it. He was a council person, and he realized that in his district, there was a hugely unmet need to provide services for older adults. There was just a large population of older adults on the Upper East Side. And he started in a one little room office, um, and we've built it today of uh, over 90 employees. And you service how many New Yorkers? Um, I say we have about five. Well, it's bigger than this, but we have about five thousand registered 
clients, mm-hmm. but our services extend in a much more broad way because we have a huge volunteer services program. Last year, we had 3,000 unduplicated volunteers that came through our wow. network, um, our Meals on Wheels programs, and the arts programs reach all five boroughs. So it's almost impossible to say how many people we actually reach. It's immense. So was it a natural act for you to start the gallery? Oh, it was the most natural. It was it was everything coming full circle in a crazy sort of way. When I started working at the Burden Network, my background was the arts. I knew how to do everything you could possibly imagine when it came to arts or arts businesses. Mm-hmm. I knew nothing about older adults or senior services. So I built from what I knew because that's what I've always done. You figure out what you know and where it can fit in and make that the base. And for me, art is the universal language. You can reach everybody at some point in this language. Um, so that's what we did. So we started becoming pretty well known for arts, pro- arts education programs and things like that. And then nine years ago or 10 years ago, I guess, we were approached by an organization that had been a very well-respected arts program called Elder Craftsman. It had been in New York for 50 years. And at a certain point, it just became untenable. They could not continue operating. So they knew we had a big arts base. So came to us and asked if we wanted to basically merge with them. And we did. We had such respect for what they were doing. But when I saw the the space where they were operating out of, and they were basically outreaching to senior centers, hospitals, any place where older adults would be to provide arts programming. They had art teachers and consultants that went out, which I loved. But when I saw the space they were operating out of, it was right across from FIT. It was this Explain where that is. For FIT those is on 7th Avenue and 27th Street. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, it's an amazing art school. And this building was right opposite it in the furthest kind of eastern part of Chelsea. And I thought, this is a great office warehouse, but it's an even better gallery. So if we emptied out all the yarn, which <laughs> a lot, there was a lot of it, painted the walls white and threw up a few lights... That's We're a gallery in my book. Wow. That's a gallery. And we had the support of our board. The Carter Burden Network board literally understood that this paralleled our mission perfectly because older adult artists never stop being who they are. And that's what we're always trying to say. None of us stop being who we are because we hit a number. You know what's so annoying about things like that, that people will say, She's still painting oh, yeah. at 75, and she is still sculpting right. at 82. Right. And so we all do, whoa, man. You know, As we, though that's, yeah, exactly. What, have, what do you stop doing in your daily life because of your age? Like, it's a crazy thing, unless it's something physical that you really can't do. Yeah, like construction And I'm amazed work. by <laughs> what people can do. Right. right. Exactly. I don't know why anyone's shocked by that. We actually had an artist, have an artist, and he said he has become so tired of walking down the street and running into other artists that he knew for the last 60 years. This is a man in his 90s. And he said, I think the title of my next show is going to be, yeah, still painting. <laughs> and I love that because yeah. that's the question. Are you still, yeah, still painting. You know, and I think it's an amazing feeling to constantly be question on is your passion still alive within you of course it's still there and you know that question is kind of like shocking i think for most artists isn't that amazing she's over 80 and can still pick up a brush i mean it's not like you say are you still walking are you still getting dressed are you still talking we're still doing all the things we did to whatever degree we can do them it it doesn't make sense to me to think you stop at it i want to say well what's the number what's the age you're supposed to stop at right so you get the building you paint the walls white whatever then what happens take us on this journey we took a crazy chance we 
kept the other programming going. So Elder Craftsman kept going and is now called Making Art Work. It's a wonderful arts outreach and education program, which has grown immensely. But we sent out 500 or so letters to professional artists to say, if this gallery existed, would this be something that interested you? What have your experiences been in the art world since you're not 30, 40, or 50? Because quite honestly... We start at 60. That's the way the funding goes, and all of our services begin at age 60. In the art world, if you have not made big bucks for a gallery, and I get that, it's a business, at 40. Yeah, who needs you? It doesn't matter if you're 40, 50, or 60. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And 40 is a stretch. So, (laughs) you know, it's just a very competitive world. And again, as I said, it's not just the ageism. It's the economy and the economics of running a gallery. It's a very expensive endeavor. So it's not just to say, I won't show you because you're 70. It's I won't show you because you're 70 and you don't bring in $50,000 a painting and I have to pay $16,000 a month rent. In Chelsea. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it's hard. But with the gallery at, at we, it was initially called Gallery 307 because that was the address on 7th Avenue. We got in the first week or two, Sandy, maybe 300 responses. No kidding. Jaw Because well, I did huh? not know exactly. Yeah. I did not know what to expect. I had a thought. I think this is what's going to happen. I think there are a lot of artists out there. Because I go to the galleries. I know. I'm not seeing anybody showing in these galleries. Number one, pretty much who's not famous. And Secondly, when you see the bios, no one's in their 60s or 70s unless they are those people. Does the average Joe like me know that when I'm going into Gallery X that I am seeing work by an under 60 versus an over 60? If I'm unaware of the name but I'm attracted to the art, I don't know. You have no way of knowing. Right. There is no way of knowing. So that's, on some level, not a bad thing either. It's a fantastic thing, and that's exactly part of the story is to say— don't shut down in terms of who you're going to look at or show or buy mm. because of a number. We let the work speak. We don't just take the work of anybody who's 60 and older. Exactly. You know, yeah. it's all about we have the same standards of excellence any gallery has. <laughs> right. And then some, I yeah. believe, in my humble opinion. But, you know, when people walk in, they have no idea. We have 20 galleries in our building. So people go throughout all of the galleries. We have our one gallery. And there, and there are, are 19, 19 others. others. It's a big gallery building. Okay. So people walk through the building all the time. They go to all the galleries, and they haven't Googled us. You know, they don't know who we are particularly. They walk in because they see something that they like. And most of the time, unless people pick up the bios of the artists— They're clueless. They don't know. Right. Until they start asking questions, they, of course, have no idea. So how have you watched this morph from day one to today? We had a great— first two years. I mean, we had artists and artists and artists, and we could have, I could have programmed in that space for 10 years based on the submissions that the kept flow. coming in. Mm-hmm. It was just nonstop. Um, and we look at every submission. We get back to everybody. I mean, obviously, after that New York Times article, in one day, we got 400 submissions. Well, so that, that was crazy. That's something yeah. we should just share parenthetically, because that's how I found out about it. Oh, I There see. was a New York Times article that I read about you and about the gallery of artists under 60 need not apply. Oh, right. And two seconds after I read the article, I was sending an email yeah. to the Carter Burden Gallery, yeah. because you are such an anomaly. Could not have imagined the response. And just a positive, great response from everybody saying, oh, my God, finally, you guys are really getting people to know who you are and what's going on. But the response from artists, literally from all over the world. But you don't take submissions. We don't. But so many artists going, I know I'm not eligible. I just would love for you to look at my work. I'd love maybe a comment. But I just have to say, I love what you're doing. We wish we had something like this in Australia, in L.A., 
in Rome, somebody from Rome emailed me personally, somehow got my personal email. Crazy, wonderful response. Everybody saying, this is shouldn't be one little gallery in New York. This I can't should believe be how overwhelming everywhere. this must have been for you. Oh, it was in like the best, you know, yes. wonderful, amazing way. 400 submissions in one day, and they have not stopped. Extraordinary. We usually get 60 or 70 a month. 401 days. So you're on, almost on overload. We're always on overload. And, you know, that's where I live. I live on the corner of overload and can't take anymore. <laughs> you know, but it's a good place to live. It's a very exciting place to live. And, you know, we have, I have an amazing assistant director, Sarah Leon. We just, we dig in and we go through everything. We are fully booked through 2018. And I could now be fully, well, I could have even before the deluge. We could be booked for five years. We can show... I don't know, 14 people a year. We never close, so we're not that gallery that closes for the summer. We never close. We have a show a month. You might feature one particular artist, but there's still works by several. That's the only way I can figure out to use the real estate effectively and to get some number of Mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. Because everybody wants just that one big solo show. Our gallery is gorgeous. It's a beautiful space physically. I try to show minimum four people. We have three separate sections of exhibition space, so minimum four people. And then a few times a year, we do a big group show because that's my way of getting other people and new artists in. Do you exhibit your work? Only in a group show. Every now and then, I'll throw in a piece. It's a community. That's the other thing, Sandy, that's very unique about us. It's not like curator and gallerist and artist. We're all in this together as a community of people who care about the practice of art the quality of art, and bringing the community in. It is an elitist world. Galleries are very elitist. And people don't feel comfortable. Forget art class in third grade. Walk into a gallery in Chelsea and you want to cry. I, absolutely, and I feel like they're going to find me out. You know, or, They're like, you I, know you're not buying anything. You know, yes, you're exactly right. Of course, they don't even look up, so they don't know you're not buying anything. Because most art isn't sold that way anyway in those galleries, where we are the opposite. We're like, come in. Please come in. Do you have any questions? What can we do? Sit down, talk. More than not... There's an artist in the gallery that people can talk to. I always wanted to ask this question of someone. How is it determined what a piece of art is worth? Yeah, it's tricky. It's tricky. I don't even know how to answer that. Some art is determined based on years of it selling and reselling and reselling. Right. and, And it can escalate in terms of the price, what the market will bear how much of the work exists once it gets a value. Mm -hmm. So then scarcity would have something to do with it. But when we show work for artists, part of our mission is to make the gallery real person friendly. I don't want only rich people to walk into my gallery and feel like they could possibly buy art. Right. As much as bringing older artists back into the forefront, I want people who have never collected art before and never thought they could to walk in and say, everything's not $25,000. This is crazy. Yes. There's a beautiful painting for $800. We're doing a show right now. It's called 12 by 12. It's almost sort of like a benefit. Every artist does one or three or seven 12 by 12 paintings, and each one sells for $200. These are artists that do huge works ordinarily. But it's their way of saying everybody could walk in for the most part and buy a painting, a beautiful painting for $200. And if you can't and you have to give me $50 a month and that's the first painting you've ever bought in your life, I'm going to make that happen. On another level, there are people that like to sell their art on their own because uh-huh. of the commission. That. Yes, exactly. So I have to give the gallery 50%. We only take 40%. We take less than most galleries. 
Yes, and Rounds I encourage active life. And I, I mean, encourage anyone to sell on their own. If right. you have the avenues to do that, that's amazing. Yeah. Then why wouldn't you? Of course, the reason galleries exist, and for the most part, are beginning not to exist, of course, um, is to have a, a wall, to have a big public space for people to come into. Now we sell a lot of work online. We're on Artsy, which is a big arts platform, and that's international. We get a lot of requests for work via that. Boy, you must be on some oh, level drowning from all your success. It's, and, yeah, and we're floating on it, actually. It's, it's yeah, pretty amazing. Okay, floating yeah. on it. That's much better. I interviewed a woman named Donna Seaman who wrote a book called Identity Unknown about women artists, wonderful, talented women, and nobody knew who yeah. they were or much gave Karen. a damn. Yeah, 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 yeah. What's the gender breakdown for your gallery? Yeah, along with kind of writing the wrong of older adult artists, we're certainly writing the wrong in terms of the number of women we show. We are about 60, 40, 60% women. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Women live longer. So we have a lot of women who have just kept working. You know, they've had spouses. Their spouses were very often artists, marry artists. And right. People have, right. you know, it's that kind of thing. And their spouses have died. And these women have just pushed on. They are still doing it. Nothing stops them. When you haven't had, no artist has an easy pathway to success or recognition or even affirmation. But as women, it's so much harder. I mean, yeah, I think it's better now. Of course it is. And I certainly inherited a better art world than you did, to, you know, 40 years to, ago. you know, yeah. the, the women before me. Right. Um, but it's still in any in the gallery world, it's not an equitable s split at all. So we definitely look at that as an issue. Well, yeah, again, sure. there's another woman I interviewed, Susan Fisher Sterling, the director of the National Museum of Women in the Arts in Washington, yeah, D.C. Yeah, that. Yeah. That was also embarrassingly jaw-dropping for me when she told me the statistic of women artists exhibited in museums is a whopping 6%. It's, it's unbelievable. And she's telling this to me in 2017, yeah. and I just can't yeah. wrap my head around this. Yeah. No, it's un it, that's the thing. You can't, that sounds like that should have been like in 1940. Exactly. And now it's, you know, 50-50. It is unbelievable. I mean, it has changed. It is encouraging, but it has not changed as much as you, other things have changed. And then I sometimes question, really, has yeah, everything yeah, else changed? Yeah, but, yeah. you know, um, yeah. it hasn't. Yeah. It hasn't at all. And people comment a lot on the number of women that we show. I'll be honest with you. There are times when I tr really try to piece it out so that I have some men in the show because there is so much amazing work. Overwhelmingly, more women submit. Now, I'm going to say partly because they're still living. I don't know if there's another part of that. I don't know if there are male artists that are older but don't feel the connection to the older artist part of it. Okay. And women are much more likely to say, hey, I'm going to take any avenue I can find. Well, like the sense of community it you has, saying. Yes, mm -hmm, because it hasn't mm -hmm. been easy. And if somebody is offering me a possibility, I'm going to go for it. Um, and I wonder if men still have a certain amount of that art world arrogance. Oh, to say, who needs you? Yeah, like I might be 65 or 75, but I bet I still get that big show at so-and-so gallery. So I don't know. I'm making that up. But mm -hmm. I, I have to say, overwhelmingly, lots more women apply. Have any museums come calling by um, any chance? Not yet, but I'm waiting. You And you think that will happen? I think it will. Mm -hmm. I think we're at like a tipping point right now, you know, and wonderful things are happening. 
um, lots of interviews, lots of, you know, online press. and press things yes. and, you know, print things. So, you know, hopefully. So for Marlena Vaccaro, you're at a really good place, oh, aren't I'm you? Oh, I'm at a great place. I am at a great place. I feel so buoyed by everything that's happening and by, honestly, Sandy, the people I work with, the artists, so many of the artists that we have had the privilege to exhibit have become friends. This has opened up a whole other thing for me. What a bonus. Forget just, yay, this wonderful work we're doing. Some of the most amazing people that have become close friends. And I just, that was an added perk. Didn't see that coming at all. Yeah, but what an attraction that people must have for you. Well, I, for the gallery, yeah. I think as we have that feeling of come in, let us know who you are. Yeah. There's no judgment. The welcoming and there the openness. There is no judgment. There is no saying to somebody, well, you did these paintings in the, you know, 70s. And who the they, hell, yeah, and, really. But they sold in the 70s, so please do more of those now. We're constantly saying to everybody, Mix it Create. up. Yeah. Go where you're not comfortable. Mm-hmm. That will be the name of my next gallery. You know, live someplace you're not comfortable so that you have to challenge. You know, we all get, as we keep doing the same thing, we keep doing the same thing. <laughs> so right. you have to really every day say to yourself, what can I do that's different today? Do you ask yourself that? Every day. Every day. And I so, do. It's a mm-hmm. very positive question for me, though. It makes me happy. It doesn't scare me. You know, it makes me feel excited to say, what am I going to do today that I've never done before? And I'm probably, you know, if I fall on my face, woohoo, that's happened before. Exactly. You know, I would welcome somebody saying, oh, not that same old story again. Drop it. We know. But people don't know. No, they don't. You know, and I think I agree with you. I think it's so important because the minute anybody hears it, they get it. We've run out of time. Thank you for getting it. Thank you. Marlena Vaccaro, keep doing what you're doing. Tend to. Thank you so much. Join us for another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein.